Mino Line Media presents the Business First Podcast. Hi, all, and welcome to a new episode of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And today we are really excited to have Tara DeVoe in the studio with us. She is the new CEO, Chief Executive Officer of Burrell Communications Group. And why that is important and exciting is Tara herself is an award-winning marketer, and she has now joined not only an award-winning agency, but it is the oldest Black agency in the U.S., and it is currently the largest agency that specializes in uh, marketing to diverse audiences. And so we were really happy to have you here, Tara, to talk about why this is such a, a, a big deal, a reason to celebrate, and to see the importance of and the strength of Black businesses, that Black businesses can endure, that they can have succession plans, that they can advance, and that they can still have presence and resonance in today's society. So um, congratulations, first of all. This is a huge deal. Um, We're all really excited for you. And I'm excited to hear your response and um, your excitement around this new appointment. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Thank you so much for the support uh, and the excitement. I am uh, truly excited. It has been uh, nine weeks today, I think, um, since uh, the changeover um, in ownership for Burrell. Um, I have jumped right in um, with both feet because it is, you know, Burrell was uh, founded the year I was born. Um, I was an advertising uh, major in undergrad and uh, learned about the existence of Black agencies. And I know that I would not be um, an award-winning marketer were it not for Tom Burrell. I wouldn't even have had the opportunity. So the idea of now leading um, the company that was founded by him is, is just, it's, um, it's an emotional time. Um, it's an exciting time, and uh, I just am, I'm really glad to to be here and to be leading this team. Wow. And so, and based on your background, you are the perfect person to lead this team. You have an extensive background in media, all areas of media. And I was listening to a recording that you had done, um, it might have been late last year, but it was before this, obviously. And I loved what you said. You said you create environments where creativity can be inspired. And that's so important because many of our listeners who are building organizations or building companies, um, of course, had been sparked by the creativity, right? And many of us have ideas. But you went on to say that what's important about these ideas is that they actually get executed and they get Mm -hmm. delivered. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted you to elaborate a little bit on what allowed you to understand the importance of, or and, and what are some of the tools that you use to actually execute on these ideas, whether it's for your, yourself or whether you're mentoring or speaking to other people who want to do the same thing? Yeah, um, I went into advertising. I wanted to be an actress. I went to college and I was like, I'm going to be an actor. So that that was um, that was where what my journey was, and and my parents said, you know, you need to come out of here after four years with a job. So you need to figure out 
Um, how, what are you going to, how are you going to support yourself? How are you going to get, you know, how black families are. It's like, how are you going to get these benefits? I don't think you're going to get these benefits being an actress. And so, um, I really went to find, um, in, you know, career counseling and all that kind of stuff in, uh, in college and, and was interested in a career that enabled me to be creative. Um, I was writing a lot at the time, um, journaling, creative writing, that kind of thing. Um, but also enabled me to, um, work with teams and, uh, it was a time for me to just to, to figure out what it was that I really enjoyed doing and advertising on literally every test that I took advertising popped up. Um, and so I knew that that was my path, but I didn't know where exactly I was going to, um, fall within the an agency structure or a client structure for that matter. Um, but as I got started, I found that what I really loved was making creative things come to life. I wasn't actually writing. I was not an art director. That was not my path, but partnering with those folks and being able to um, smooth the waters um, ahead of them uh, was really what I kind of got off on, to be honest with you. And it continues to be to this day, whether I am, you know, as a count coordinator back in the day um, or CEO now, I want to lead people who want to solve problems through creativity. Um, and I find that um, I understand the difference between a creatively led agency and an account led agency. Um, that I have had multiple experiences in my career um, and they have each taught me different things. Um, I have, uh, where, when I worked at Spike DDB, um, it was the first time, and I had been in the business at that point well over 10 years, mm -hmm. but it was the first time that I had worked with predominantly people of color um, I started my career, career at YNR. I worked at a couple of agencies wow. after that. Um, I went client side for a little bit. Um, and I was usually the one, you know, one of one in mm -hmm. um, rooms. So it was the first time that I was not in that kind of situation. Um, but it was also the first time, more importantly, that I was working in an environment where people were living and breathing the culture. They were exposed and interested in creativity from an advertising standpoint, they were not necessarily musicians, but they were going out and going to experience music. They weren't artists, all artists, but they were art collectors. Um, they you know, went to museums. They were absorbing. They weren't just in the culture because of skin tone. They were in the culture right. because that is how they were living and experiencing the world. Um, and that was like a, it, it was an eye opener for me. I, after leaving Spike, I went to BBDO. BBDO was a very different environment. And again, for in many meetings, I was once again, one of one. Mm -hmm. But what I valued about the experience and the reason why I was there for seven years and then left and came back again um, is because it is an organization that in every element of what they do, it is focused on creativity. It is focused mm -hmm. on how to make the work better how to make the work um, you know, more creative, how to make sure that it's equally as effective for our clients, 
Um, and I had never been in that kind of situation before. And I got mm. to see how operationally, it's not just about what's happening in the creative department. It is about what's happening operationally throughout the entire company that is supporting the advancement of that creativity. And that for me was a game changer. And it really, it, it was informed, has informed every other step that I have made in my career. Um, and, you know, from every experience, you have good things that you learn and, and things that you're like, yeah, I won't be taking that with me. So there was, um, there was a little bit of that, but I wanted to fuse those two things. How do I fuse people who are living and breathing the culture and, you know, diverse group of people with people who are wholly focused on the work? Um, and that's what I built, um, you know, with the leadership at the previous company that I'd worked at, 3A Wildcard, 3AM, where I also learned how to be much more entrepreneurial, how to make decisions, you know, quickly, um, and how to pivot when necessary. And I brought those three kind of seminal experiences with me to this opportunity at Burrell. Wow. How would you say that the agency world has changed since you stepped in? I mean, technology has changed a lot in terms of, you know, how we engage with media, how we respond to brands. And so what would you say has have been some of the biggest changes and what is your vision for what you can bring to Burrell to take Burrell into the future? Yeah, I, I think they, one of the biggest changes is just that the, the medium, right? The, the, the ways in which we can express creativity just exploded. Um, when I first started, it was very traditional. You, you know, you learned how to work in TV, print and radio, and that was pretty right. much it. Um, and you know, I was very curious about other platforms as they started to develop. So, um, I went to a mobile marketing agency and was the voice of 365 days of Elvis for a year. If you ever ask me anything about Elvis, I can tell you more information than you ever want to know, but it was my opportunity to get involved in mobile, um, launched the first Grammy, Mo Grammy mobile program, mobile programs for Vibe and Spin magazine. They don't even exist now, you know, anymore. So a lot has changed. The platforms have changed. The um, creative opportunities have changed. There really was an opportunity for long form, um, you know, storytelling uh, when I first started. Um, so I think just the, the level of creativity and the expectation um, of the creative, I think is, um, has really changed in a very positive way. I think advertising is much less formulaic. It is much more about emotional engagement and, and how do we really connect with people and move them to action. Um, and so that I think is a, is a humongous change. Um, the other obvious change is the, you know, fact that the, the, skin color of the people that are working in these agencies or have also changed. I um, have benefited from the mad dash to um, buy big uh, general, you know, quote unquote, and I will use that um, term loosely general market agencies, um, you know, that panic that we don't have any people of color working here. Um, and so I've been a beneficiary of that and, you know, was hired uh, not just because I was smart, not just because um, I had a good pedigree, um, but also because I was black. 
Um, and I'm very much aware of that. And, you know, you can see it when you walk in the first day and there's no one else that looks like you, you know, why you're there. Um, and you know, you got to show up and show out and that's what I, I chose to do. And so, um, now I go into a lot of those same rooms and I don't see, I, you know, there are multiple people that look like me. I think mm -hmm. that, um, Burrell has, uh, has, suffered in the past because they're, you know, where are you finding these people that have grown up in this business? You're finding them from, you know, black and multicultural agencies. And so there's been a lot of poaching of fantastic talent from um, agencies like Burrell that want to go into a bigger market. They want to, you know, get paid a, maybe a ton more money, you know, um, and um, to work at general market agencies and get to work on bigger projects. And I, I understand it. And so that has been um, a big shift in, you know, Burrell was um, considered a beacon for black folks who were interested in this business and wanted to do great work. Um, and now those same folks are having those opportunities at other places, we have competition. And that means that we've got to, um, start to think differently. We've got to organize ourselves differently so that we are competitive and continue can continue to get our fair share, more than our fair share um, of black and brown talent. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't know that um, Eddie Murphy's Boomerang was was based loosely off of the Burrell agency. And, mm -hmm. and I, I'm old enough to remember the discussions when folks said, well, that's not real, right? Like right. that's that's not a real story. Um, but Burrell did inspire the opening of a number of Black agencies. Mm -hmm. And now Burrell is one of the few that's actually still standing. And so how important is it for, um, and you know, you talked a lot about like you being the only person in, in the room. And, but how, why is it so important for a Burrell to exist, to, 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 for a Black-owned agency um, to still exist in, in this environment today? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the level of insight and expertise in the Black audience is unmatched at Burrell. Um, I, I don't think anyone, um, whether it's a, you know, general market agency that has a black strategist um, right. or, you know, or the multicultural agencies that have, you know, kind of sprung up. I, I, there's in having experienced this team and the work that this team um, is putting out in the storytelling that they are um, engaged in, I, I really think that the level of understanding of um, the Black audience is unmatched at Burrell. Um, why that is important is because Black folks lead culture. Uh, and so it, we are the most creative. Um, and that is not just us talking to ourselves. Right. When you ask um, white folks, 67% around there, um, we'll say that, yeah, Black people kind of spark culture. Um, same with Hispanic. The number is well over 50% of Hispanics um, also believe that Black people start um, and spark culture. And so understanding Black audiences, whether you are targeting them directly or not, 
helps you understand culture and where culture is going to move and where culture is going to shift because where it's going to be a year from now is what's already happening now in the black community. And so I think that that part of our story is undervalued. Um, and so there is this belief that as a black agency, you can't work on a general market clients. Like, no, absolutely you can because our culture is changing. It is no longer, you know, we, a, um, white and other, um, other is the masses at this point. Other is general market. Um, and so understanding, um, black audiences leads to understanding of the quote unquote general market. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you said whether or not you're targeting minority audiences, you should be understanding black culture. Yes. I haven't heard many people say that. Yeah. I, I mean, it, if I can't even, there's so many things and we kind of started like running, making a running list of, yeah. you know, whether it was phrases or um, mm -hmm. you look at the proliferation of black creators on TikTok. Like right. it is um, there, the things that are moving in culture, um, you know, there's someone, um, when I said this, someone gave um, as a counterpoint was, well, what about in music? I mean, reggaeton is the biggest, you know, music out there and that's not black. And I'm like, mm, uh, yes, it is. Let's actually talk about <laughs> the origin of reggaeton. Yes, like, I, yes, I love reggaeton, but it is started, was started in the black community. And so yeah. it is um, at, across the spectrum uh, it is not just something, you know, a story that I'm kind of just telling myself to help me sleep at night. It is, it's proven. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I do think that in order to understand culture, whether that is, you know, uh, black, brown, white culture, especially youth culture nowadays, right. you have to, it, you, it starts with understanding what black folks are doing, um, what they're thinking, how we're feeling. And so we're spending a lot of time in investment in um, understanding the black audience, understanding the uh, intersectionality um, mm -hmm. that exists within youth audiences. Um, uh, and so that's for us, I think that's the kind of starting place for um, the evolution of Burrell is really being able to tell that story um, and ensuring that, you know, for us, it starts with data, it starts with strategy. Um, and then the the work and everything else we do follows from there. Right. You mentioned storytelling a lot. And it, when I'm talking to small businesses, I hear them using the word a lot. They don't quite understand what it means. But what advice would you give to um, young entrepreneurs or when I say young people who are starting starting businesses in terms of the importance of storytelling and, and what that really means? Yeah, I, well, it starts with understanding your brand. You know, if you're whatever your company is, your company is a brand. You are a brand. Um, and, you know, I've done work in um, brand building work for lots of brands. I've also done it for myself um, in understanding kind of what my brand values are, what my behavior code is. Um, where I, you know, how I want to position myself, what my short-term goals are, my long-term goals are. Those are all things that you do when you're building a brand, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and we can do that for ourselves. We can do that for our companies. 
Um, but the story starts from there. You can't really jump into storytelling without understanding the story that you need to tell um, and the message that you want to communicate. It's all marketing, whether you're in the marketing department or not. And so that's where uh, that would be my suggestion for any entrepreneur, small business um, person that's starting a small business is to spend some time on that foundational work um, on understanding who you want to be, who you want, what you want your company to be, what you want the mission is, what is the the um, what is the value that you are providing mm-hmm. to your target audience? Do you understand who they are and what they believe? Um, and once you have all of those foundational kind of questions answered, then I think you you've got the beginnings of a story. Right, right, right. Tell us a little bit about, um, or talk to us a little bit about immersion. I listened to you on um, on that presentation, and I thought that that was fascinating because you were saying that that is really the direction of of branding, and so yeah. companies are really going to have they can't really be static. They yeah, have to really yeah. figure out how to bring in and um, engage audiences very differently than they were required to do before. So, yeah, I spent the last five years in uh, entertainment and entertainment marketing, uh, working at a company um, called Wildcard 3AM, where we spent a lot of time, um, energy and investment in understanding this concept of world building. And a key to that was this idea of immersion that, again, the landscape, uh, the marketing landscape has changed dramatically since it was TV, print, and radio. And the expectation now for audiences, for consumers, is to really be immersed in a brand's story. They don't just want to have messages shouted at them. They actually want to feel like they can experience it. And now because of the advancements in technology, they're able to do that. And there are multiple levels of immersion. And so I, I just think that there's no one is looking for a transactional relationship with a brand now. They want the brand to prove to them that they believe in the same things that they believe in. They want to be immersed in the brand's values and understanding. I think that it has the um, increase in experiential marketing, in PR and events to help communicate a brand story and to make the brand story feel tangible to people. Um, are all signs that immersion is what the goal is. Immersion can be measured by level of engagement. It can also be measured by level of, you know, increased affinity. But that is the, that's the ultimate goal is to really feel like you are, you know, immersed in the world of a brand um, and that that brand world is not just existing in advertising, it's existing in IRL, um, it's, it, you know, existing on your phones. Um, it is, it, you know, it's a multi-pronged approach and it's not just creation of um, television advertising in the way that it was 20 years ago. What advice would you offer to small businesses who are looking to align themselves with um, brand? I talk to salespeople all the time who are frustrated with folks who just don't understand the either the process or understanding the brand that they would like to align with. So they may be a small business, but they would really like to align with a Coca-Cola or they'd like to align with a Nike or they'd like to um, do a partnership with a, uh, a major hotel. 
Mm-hmm. And so what would you what would you say to, to smaller entrepreneurs who are building their building their own brands right. in terms of what they should think about when they want to connect with these larger brands? Well, I think brand alignment, you know, uh, again, if you've done the foundational work on understanding your brand, what your brand values are, what your mission um, is, I think that a lot of folks um, initially, especially when starting out, are just looking for the big brand, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and those kinds of adjacencies, whether the values are aligned or not. Um, and I get it. You're looking for scale um, and broader opportunities. That makes, you know, it makes sense. But um, targeted opportunities with aligned brand values, I think, are, are more valuable, um, because you're actually reaching consumers in uh, a mindset that is consistent with where you want to go as a company. So um, I would say that it's not about the kind of the bigger, the better. It is really about aligning, um, uh, you know, brand values, brand behavior, brand beliefs. Um, and that's how you should be. You should be using that more using your conscious as your conscience as your guide in how to pick brand um, brand adjacencies and brand partnerships. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is how you've been able to maintain balance um, in that say in you know I, I noticed that you talked about your family and being able to be present is a priority of yours and it's mm-hmm. very important. And although you've been able to do tremendous work in the professional space, like I mentioned, you've won many awards. You are now the CEO of, of an historic agency. Um, but your what you do personally and how you maintain your, your personal life is also very important to you. And what we find with a lot of entrepreneurs is that they do lack balance. I talk to a lot of people who are either frustrated or... Um, or, or those who are in retrospect, right, looking at the things that they missed, right, right, um, right. with their family members or with their kids. And uh, talk to us a little bit about how you've been able to maintain that, why it's important to you, and and why you even lead with that when you make your presentations. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if my kids would say I'm always present, <laughs> but <laughs> it is. But it is important to me, and I would I would say that there are. Um, two major moments in my life that, um, that impacted how I, or what balance actually means to me, how I would define balance. Um, the first is, I mean, I love to work. I enjoy, um, or I love to work at a job that I feel, um, I can make an impact on. I feel that I is with, with, I'm working with a team that I enjoy spending time with um, and um, that I feel like we have a higher mission. So those are kind of the criterias for me to even be in a um, a kind of work environment that's going to take me away from the other important things in my life. Um, So once I've got that, I love actually working and engaging. Um, and this is by far been the, the best two months of my life. That said, balance, whatever that means, balance for me is extremely important. Um, and, um, and like I said, there are two major points in my life where I, I, it kind of changed how I behave. The first one was um, uh, 
I was divorced from the you know father of my children. And I realized that I needed to prioritize them at that point um, in a way that I had not, I, you know, as a mom, I always felt like I was prioritizing my children, but prioritizing them um, over my career. I needed to work because they needed to eat. Right. So, so I couldn't just not work. Um, but my career and my and forward motion in my career had to take a back seat in order for me to ensure that they were going to be okay. And that was my top priority. Um, and so balance became um, cooking three meals on the weekend, you know, three full on dinners on the weekend so that when I got home from work, we could sit and have dinner together every single night. Um, and we did, we sat around the dinner table. It was no TVs, no phones, um, nice. and just sat and talked to each other. I was out of the office at 5.30 every day. When I went to BBDO and they, um, I interviewed for the role, it was with a client that was based in California. I told them I couldn't do it. Um, and, you know, I said, I'm a newly divorced mom and, and that's just not going to work for me. I'd love to be here. Uh, and they called me back and said, well, what about working on HBO? <laughs> That's, that works. Yay! <laughs> talk about telling somebody what you need and what then being need. rewarded for it, you know. Um, and so I would leave the office at five thirty um, and go run and pick up my kids from aftercare, and then we'd sit down and have dinner together. I'd do bath time, and then I would work until you know. Once they got to bed, I'm working from like eight thirty until midnight every night. Um, I have been blessed to have a phenomenally supportive family. My parents would come up and when I had to travel, I have a village of, uh, you know, aunties and miss this and Mr. That, that would come in, you know, babysit or spend the night if I had to fly out early in the morning. Um, but I made, made sure that I was having dinner with my kids five, six nights a week, um, most weeks. And so that was a balance then at that time. Um, the second area, the second time that um, balance kind of really came up in my life was my dad passed away about a year and a half ago. And it just, you know, you go to the funeral of a parent and not one person there is talking about work. Right. <laughs> you know, they're not talking about the, how this person made an impact on them because they worked That's together right. or did whatever. It was about the the way he lived his life they, and how he touched them in that way. And so that to me was a realization that how I show up um, outside of work is how I want to show up at work. I want to, the way I'm making an impact to people on people in um, my life, hopefully um, outside of work, I want to be able to do that inside of a work environment. That's the kind of leader I want to be. Um, but also it's not, you know, we're not curing cancer. And, and right. where, you know, it's not brain surgery, it should be fun. And, um, and so I really, I took some time off, um, before starting this role. Um, I kind of reconnected with myself. I started meditating. I started kind of creating new habits that enable me to find, um, a renewed sense of balance, 
um, in this in this new role. So those are practices that I, you know, I was off for three months. There were practices that I did every day. I journaled, um, and these are you know behaviors that I still kind of uh, do now, even though I have an ex- extremely busy job. Um, and Ron has heard me say, other people in the office have heard me say, I've been on 17 planes in the last two months, um, eight different cities, but I get up and I go to the gym, I meditate, um, I, you know, journal at least a couple of times a week. And those are the things that kind of keep me sane and, um, and enable me to kind of have an approach things with an open heart and an open mind. Wow. So important. Thank you for that. Um, you are now creating the legacy for your own legacy, your personal legacy for Burrell. And so what would you like that to look like when you are leaving this agency? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's the all of the um, kind of practical stuff, right? I want the agency to be bigger. I want us to have more clients. Um, you know, I want us to be kind of triple, quadruple, um, they, uh, not necessarily the size, but certainly the impact. Right. Um, but I also want people to feel like they've elevated themselves and are doing the best work that they've ever done in their lives. I, I want everyone, um, from the folks in finance to strategy to, uh, you know, IT, um, to account management, to feel like they are doing the best work of their career Um, and that they are also changing the game. Um, I want our narrative to be that it starts with Black for us. Mm -hmm. It doesn't end there, but it definitely starts there. there. And I think that, you know, um, 50 years ago, 52 years ago, when Burrell first started, Um, it, you know, it started and ended with black. Now we still start with black, but we know that that is just the, the beginning or the spark that ignites culture. Um, and so that's, that's the legacy that I, I want to leave. I want other people to be repeating that, you know, message back to me. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I just think that we, I want us to be proud. I want us to, as a black agency, to recognize that we are all at this agency by choice. It's not because we're not as good as other folks that are, you know, um, and general market agencies. There's no inferiority complex coming to work at Burrell. Um, You know that you are expected to, you know, achieve and strive and do phenomenal work in the same way you would if you were working anyplace else. And, um, and so, yeah, I want there to be a renewed sense of pride in being there um, and pride in the agency, pride in the work that you're doing and pride in our culture. Sounds good. And you are the perfect person, as I said before, to lead them in that direction. Um, we are too. so excited for you, Tara. We are we will be watching your moves and cheering <laughs> you on and looking forward to having you back as you are more rooted in the position and um, executing a new thing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. It's phenomenal to meet you. And um, I hope it's the first of many conversations. Absolutely, absolutely. And we thank you all for listening and tuning in. We'll be back again next week with another dynamic guest. Take care. 
The Business First Podcast is hosted and produced by Sonia Aline, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business First Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcast. On social media, on IG, at business underscore first underscore podcast. Follow the Mean Old Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean Old Line Media. Get the Mean Old Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Business First Podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production.